Good morning. <laughs> so I am excited to be able to have the opportunity to bring you the word this morning. Um, you guys are getting some handouts. I almost didn't do one this morning. And then I thought, there will be some people that actually like my handouts. <laughs> so I put one together for you guys. Um, so this morning, we are going to be talking about a concept um, called Persons of Peace. These past couple weeks, we have been hearing about unbelief, unbelievers, and um, we've had some different messages about this topic. And really, the messages up until now have been mostly about the, our heart toward unbelievers and being able to you know, allow the Lord to well compassion up in us and to, to recognize the importance of ministering to unbelievers, um, having a heart for unbelievers. And then we, a couple weeks ago, we also talked about, remember, um, praying for unbelievers, that that is the key to going behind um, ministering to unbelievers in our lives is praying and asking God for specific unbelievers or asking him to pave the way. So today, we are going to be moving into um, what I would say is maybe a little, getting a little bit more practical, a little bit more hands-on in what this looks like, um, and for being able to allow God to move and work in our lives. And I must tell you guys, when I was thinking about this and praying for you guys um, and for myself, you know, stepping into the space this morning, what I was thinking of was the fact that we have a gathering of people. So let's just say for round numbers, we have 100 people in this room. Imagine that all 100 of us started to grasp this concept and started moving in the direction of encountering intentionally one person of peace that God highlights in our life. Like, imagine the impact just one person. And so I want you to keep that concept in mind as we step into, um, into this space of, um, of persons of peace. And so the question comes up, and I have this on your handout, is what are persons of peace? And this is what I would say is a kind of a working definition of what a person of peace is. And then we're going to dig into the word. We're going to see what this looks like in, in scripture. And then we're going to um, talk very practically. And I'm going to give you guys lots of stories and examples from my life and the lives of you of what this looks like, um, because I think that has helped me to be able to think, oh, I can do this. So what is a person of peace? Persons of peace are individuals interested in who we are as people. They are drawn to us, and they are drawn to our hope. And then we are also drawn to them. Um, I think that might be on a slide, if you can. Let's just see here. Is it one more? It's on your handout if it's not on the slide. That's all right. Um, so keep in mind here. So these are individuals who are drawn to us, but they're not just drawn to us because we're good people, right? They're drawn to us because there's a hope. There's something different inside of us, and we are also drawn to them. And so a passage that we're going to look at, and I don't have this fully um, typed out on your um, handout, but I want you to, if you can turn to this in the Bible, um, or we're going to put it on the screen here, a passage from Matthew 10, and verses 1, and then verses 5 through the 11. I just want to use this as a framework as we start looking into this. And this is where Jesus sends out the 12. Um, it starts like this. Jesus called the 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. We can drop down to verse 5. These 12 that Jesus sent out with the following instructions. 
So he's telling his disciples, this is what I want you to do. So he's giving them authority, and then he's sending these guy, these 12 um, guys out. And he says, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And I wanted to be clear here. Like, this is obviously giving an, a specific instruction for a specific time. Because later on, you're going to see where the disciples and the apostles are called, right, to the Gentiles. They're called to the Samaritans. But in this moment of time, God is specifically calling them to Israel, right? So he's giving them this specific instruction here. And he says this, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you on your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at your house, at their house until you leave. Okay, so a couple caveats here. The nice thing is, this is a specific instruction for a specific, specific time. God has never sent me out saying, don't take anything with you, don't take your purse, don't take any money. Could he say that? Yeah, he could. Um, but in this is a very specific context here that Jesus is telling his disciples on how they're to minister. So remember, this is not prescriptive, right? This is descriptive. So keep that in mind as we think about this. But he's equipping his disciples. The message here, though, is that he's equipping them. He wants them to share the gospel with these instructions and to be attentive to what I'm referring to here as the person of, dis, of the persons of peace. So the disciples are sent out in pairs. They're sent out to towns and villages. And as they went, the passage says they were to remain attentive to the individuals who would welcome them into their lives. And Jesus tells the disciples that those who received them, they were to bless them for their generosity. So you see, um, the one thing I want you to keep in mind here and just put this in the back your framework is that Jesus is not saying, I am telling you specifically to go to every person. He's saying, be aware because I'm already moving and working in ways that you can't even imagine. And I want you to be attentive to that. And when somebody starts to show interest in you, then that's the person that I'm highlighting. And there is a freedom in this. You know, um, oftentimes when Joel's talked about sharing the gospel, he talks about when he was a kid and he would ride on the bus and felt like he had to preach to the entire bus the message of the gospel all the time. You know, it was this high pressure, you know, situation or you go into a space and some of you may have felt this, you know, growing up if you had this very specific way to do evangelism. I was taught some very specific ways to do evangelism. I'm not saying that those things are bad, but I am telling you that this concept and recognizing what Jesus is saying here has been a game changer in my life, in my ministry, and being able to be an effective minister to the gospel. And there was some freedom that came from it because, like I said, God is already moving and working. Um, so the biblical, another biblical example, so that's kind of a framework. We're going to jump into a passage that's going to give us a biblical example of what this look, looks like. One of the, the ultimate missionaries of all time is Paul. And Paul is an effective minister of the gospel. And I am telling you, if you want to learn to share your faith um, even more effectively, read Paul and when he goes into towns, what he does. And I want you to, to think about this. He doesn't do the same thing every time. 
right? He's listening to the spirit. He's listening to what God says. And then he's moving into that particular place in that particular time for that particular season. And he's performing or giving the gospel in that way. So this is an example. This is Paul who is one of the apostles. He wasn't one of the 12. He was one who came along after. He had a. He actually was somebody who had um, persecuted unbelievers and then had a conversion experience where he encounters the, um, the Lord and he receives salvation. And then out of that place, he becomes an effective minister of the gospel. And so this is an example of where he's going into a town and it's found in Acts 16, verses 13 to 15, if you want to turn there. Acts 16 verses 13 to 15. And it says this, it says, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyteria named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me as a believer in the Lord, she said, come stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So here is an example. Paul reaches Philippi, and he stays here for seven, several days. And at this time, we see it's the Sabbath, and he decides that he is supposed to go outside the city gate to the river. And, you know, I believe in this situation that Paul is listening to the Lord for where to go. So he goes outside the city gate. He goes down to the river. And when he goes down to the river, he finds some women. Again, you know, we say this often when you read the scriptures, you see that there is this emphasis on women. Um, and this is in a culture where women were not highly regarded. But here we have um, these women that are down there, and they just start to have conversation, right? Paul starts to engage them. Paul shares the gospel, and Lydia is receptive. She puts her faith in Christ, and we see that she is baptized. And then Lydia invites Paul to stay at her house. And this is a place where Paul would find shelter, and he shared the gospel then in that region. Lydia um, ends up being a part of the church plant in Philippi. And the church of Philippi was a model church for others planted in the region. So just from this one person who Paul speaks the gospel to, God highlights this area to, they start having conversation. And then out of this place, Lydia ends up coming to faith. And then she ends up being somebody who supports Paul in his ministry. And so what does identifying persons of peace look like in our lives? What does it look like today? How can we do this? Lydia was receptive to Paul. She was interested in hearing his message. And she was also receptive to relationship um, because of the encounter. And we see a pattern here. Um, And so I have this um, on the screen. Is that Lydia invited Paul into her life. So she invites him in. She listened Um, to the hope that he possessed in the gospel story. She responds to the message, and then she served to advance the gospel. So how beautiful is this, that somebody who ends up coming to faith, you know, because of what God is doing and allowing us to be a part of it, she now becomes a gateway to other people coming to faith. So there is a progression here. The first thing I have here is that a person of peace welcomes a relationship between you and them. So they are receptive to followers of Christ, 
they may not immediately become a follower of Christ. In this example, I mean, this is like a, like Paul gets an A plus here, right? Like he just talks to her down by the river. She comes to faith, she gets baptized, and then all this happens. That's a pretty amazing story. Does God do that still today? Absolutely. I could tell you stories all across the tab and the network of where um, God is doing, has done that before. But honestly, that is not the majority. That is the minority. Most of the time, it looks like it's these seeds that are planted, right? Well, you know, in scripture, it talks about, there's a passage that says that Paul water, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God causes all things to go. Sometimes we're Paul's, you know, we're planting that first seed. Sometimes we're Apollos, Apollos, we're coming along or the next person in line. Sometimes we're, you know, somewhere further along that journey. Um, but they are receptive, and they may not become a follower of Christ, but they're interested, and they may continue to want to have a relationship with you. And so um, that's an important thing to pay attention to. Um, number two on your handout says, a person of peace invites you into relationships with other people, and they're connecting you with their family and friends. So as you start, this becomes, you know, they invite you in relationship, you get to know more people in their family. Then the person's of peace, they can connect you to other ministry opportunities, and um, I can tell you, you know, like I said, for Michael and I, this was huge because, you know, instead of having to be intimidated by evangelism, it was so simple um, that it came down to just recognizing the people that are around us um, in this model. And so, you know, like I said, Lydia is drawn to Christ. Um, and that means that as people are drawn to Christ and drawn to us, they start to encounter the message of hope. And I have two passages that I have on your um I have two passages on your handout here. The first is 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16. This passage is amazing um, because it says, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. To one, we are an aroma that brings death. To another, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? The beauty of this is that there is just, if we are followers of Jesus, there is something that is different about us. And the Bible is clear that there is like an aroma about us. Now listen, some people are just repulsed by the aroma, right? Do you ever have this in your life where you are a follower of Jesus? And all, like there's just somebody that wants nothing to do with you. And honestly, it probably has little to do with you as much as it has the fact that they sense Christ in you and can't handle it at this time. And so they can be repulsed by this. But there are other people that there is this sweet aroma about you and they're just drawn to you. Do you ever have people just say, there's just something different about you? There's just something about you that that is that is different and they just want to talk to you. Um, the second passage I have on here, and again, this is one of my absolute favorite passages um, about sharing the scripture. And it's 1 Peter 3.15 and it says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for what? For the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This to me is a key passage of how we share our faith. It's just being ready to give a reason for our hope, being able to share, you know, why we have a different perspective, why when things are going bad in this world, we can have a different perspective on it. Um, 
being able to step in these these places. We had, um, you know, somebody in our community that found out they had cancer a week and a half ago, and I was talking to her last week, and I was so encouraged because in the midst of this hard situation, she said people are talking to her, and they're asking her why she can be so hopeful in the midst of a cancer diagnosis, and the gospel is moving forth, and she's saying this to them. She says, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I have hope. That's the difference, you know, and people are drawn to the hope that is in us. And we do it with gentleness and respect, right? This isn't gimmies. This isn't like you have to bait and switch. You know, Joel's talked about sometimes where he would do a survey and it was kind of like this bait and switching. It's just being in relationship, just talking to people that are around you and being willing to give a reason for your hope. So a couple of key points here, um, and then I'll get into just a couple stories. But um, first is we go in God's authority. Matthew 10 says it like this. Um, It says that Jesus called, this is the first passage I read, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. And what did he do? He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. This is the key. We are not going in our own strength. Right? In my own strength, I've got nothing to give. But when I have the authority of heaven behind me, I am stepping in. Jesus sends when he sends us and when he plants us, right? We are all planted in all different places. We all go so many places throughout the week. Our workplaces, our schools, our, you know, wherever our kids are moving um, in places That's where we're planted. He imparts his authority to see who is open to the gospel. If you go with no authority, you have nothing to give people. It's not about just being nice. We can all just be nice to people, but if we are just being nice, we're missing the point of giving people the opportunity to have life everlasting, and that's what this is about. You are walking in the authority to share the gospel. Jesus takes his authority, he gives it to his disciples, and he gives it to us. Listen to what he gave him authority to, to cast out demons, to heal the sick. Who are we? Do we not have authority on our own? We partner with the king. We often forget the authority that we've been given. This should give us a different confidence, right? A different eagerness to be able to share. Who are we? We have the authority of the king backing us up as we move into these places. That's the authority we have. That's the places that we're moving into. And it's important to go with that kind of confidence. It's like, God, I don't know what you're doing, but this person is coming to me, or I'm this person, you're highlighting this person to me. I'm going to walk over here. I'm going to have a conversation. And the authority of the king is backing me up. And I am just going to step in this place and show this person that I love them and I care about them. And I'm going to listen to them. And I'm going to hear what God is doing. The second thing here is find persons of peace. Jesus says here, look for a place to stay. If they find hospitality, um, he says to find, when he says to find a person or a home worthy, this isn't just the best home, right? This isn't just a place that's comfortable, right? How many times when I'm looking for a person of peace do I want to stay in my comfort zone? It's like, God, I don't see any persons of peace here, and he's like, it's because I'm not, you're not going where I'm sending you. Like, I'm sending you over here. And, um, you know, oftentimes I do believe, and I've seen this in my own life, that I have to get out of my comfort zone sometimes to, um, to move and see what God is doing. Notice people willing to receive the kingdom. Look at stirrings in hearts and not accomplishments. 
right? God says, look at the inside. You know, when, when Samuel was anointing King David, he's like, I don't see anyone here. You know, like he's like, I thought it would be this one. I thought it would be this one. And then it's the, the son that's not even there. It's, you know, David who's not even there is who um, ends up being anointed as the king. And the passage says that God said, you look at the heart right? So in this, it's like, look at the hearts of the people. Who's God showing you that this is the person that I have for you right now? Look at people open to relationship. Do you ever have circumstances where somebody just starts talking to you and you almost feel like they like, blah, like you're like, I cannot believe that they are telling me all of this stuff. Like I feel like in five minutes, I've just been downloaded, you know, all this information. Sometimes it can be really like, what you feel like is like deep information in this first conversation. I want to tell you that is a person of peace. That is somebody that God has brought to your path. They are attracted to you because of the hope that you have. And so stepping into that conversation, stepping into that with that in the back of your mind, oh God, you've put this place, a person in my path right now. And, um, and so being able to, to see what God does. Much of Jesus's ministry was along the way. And I love this. Think about what is your along the way. Be okay with interruptions. You know, oftentimes I'll have this, like, I need to get from here to here to here. And all of a sudden there's this interruption. There's a person that's kind of like, you know, maybe taking up my time or, you know, asking, you know, questions. Stop, you know, take the time to listen to that person. I'm amazed by Jesus' ministry of where he just takes time. He's going from here to here, but then there's a person, you know, that just happens to be in the way. Um, the woman at the well, she was an interruption along the way. You know, and there, you know, Jesus has this interaction with her where she comes to faith, and then the gospel message goes forth in that whole area. Um, and so keep your eyes open. And allow God to ask, you know, to show you what this looks like. Where are the places you already are? You know, is it in your workplace? Is it in your kids' activities? Your sporting events? The library? Play areas? Shopping places? Grocery stores? I have God stories. Crazy. I could tell you crazy God stories from grocery store interactions. Um, Home improvement stores? The gym? Along the way, God is just allowing us to be in places where we are rubbing up against unbelievers and um, asking him what this looks like. But in these places, we need God to open our eyes, right? Because I can be in these places often and miss it. And um, we need to pray and ask that God opens our eyes. So when we're in these spots, God, show me who you're highlighting. Think about being responsive to the Holy Spirit and to the people. And this is what life in the kingdom should look like. You know, in the morning, what does it look like to pray, God, I'm available today. Open my eyes wherever you're going to send me today in my day-to-day life, and I will be responsive. You know, and that can be the hard part, too. Like, sometimes I feel those nudges, and I'm like, I'm supposed to do something, and I'm like, "Mm, no, I don't have time, or nope, I just just don't want to do it. Um, And God's like, Make yourself available to me. Are we going to do this 100% perfect all the time? No. But when you feel that nudge and you didn't do it, and you feel that that stirring after, let that be your impetus for going forward the next time where you're like, okay, I'm not going to miss this opportunity again. I'm going to move and step into this place. Um, 
Another, the next point I have is talk to everyone as if they are believers. Joel mentioned this um, at this campus last week. Um, this is something Michael and I heard years ago, and it was a game changer um, for my life. And so, and what that looks like, and when I say that, um, is just it's easy to kind of say things differently if you know you're speaking to somebody who's not a believer compared to a believer. I'll give you a practical example. In my life, I sell real estate, and so a lot of people will be like, "Oh, what made you interested in real estate?" I can totally go the direction of, I just thought, I always loved houses, you know, I thought it would be really fun to help people buy and sell houses, and that was, you know, that's that's how I got into this. If I'm talking to a believer, maybe I would tell them the backstory where, you know, we really felt like this is where God was leading, you know, I had these stirrings, and God worked out these details, um, and so sometimes we candy coat things or say things a little bit differently or don't say it the same way with unbelievers. And so what it looks like, you know, how I do it, you know, now and for the last 18 years, I try anytime I can to just put little things in there. So being able to say like, yeah, I was really interested in, um, you know, in houses. I always thought real estate would be fun. And I really felt like this was where God was calling us to at that time. That can be the end of it, but they know exactly where I'm at. You know, how many times, like, you know, if I was like, you know, praying about something this morning, if I'm talking to somebody, be like, yeah, I just really had, you know, things that were heavy on my heart. And I was asking, you know, I was praying and asking the Lord to like help in the situation and moving on, you know, planting seeds and making sure, you know, how you would speak something to a believer and an unbeliever um, looks the same way. And that really, those little seeds that are planted, I can't tell you how many times those, those times that seeds like that have been planted, somebody hits a hard patch and then they'll say, they'll come to me because they know that there's something different. They know there's this different hope and they'll say, can you pray for me about this situation? Um, and then the next point is that some relationships are like sprints and some are like marathons. And this is a really good thing to keep in mind because sometimes you may have an interaction with somebody, you feel led to talk to them, they start talking to you, and maybe at the end of the conversation, like I would encourage you um, to step into it. If somebody's telling you all these things about their life and they're downloading so much stuff, a great thing to do is just at the end of the conversation say, can I pray for you right now? I mean, 99.9% of the time, they're going to say, yes, thank you, you know? And you can just pray for that person. Um, and you may never see them again in the, your life. And, you know, and they are, they're like, you know, that passage, it says, Paul planted Apollos water. God causes all things to grow. You don't know where you fall in that line of people, but God is highlighting and connecting. Um, and so recognizing that some of these are just sprints that are just going to be these one-off things, but then how many other relationships? You know, if it's somebody that you're interacting with at work, if it's somebody that you're interacting with at school, if it's somebody that you're, you know, in a relationship with that's going to be ongoing, those are people that we call marathons. That these are, these are relationships that are going to keep going. Um, and in a marathon, you know, we want to make sure to speak truth and speak, um, speak in love. But, you know, we also want to be careful that we don't just never get to the place of sharing the gospel. And so being able to, you know, to recognize what this looks like um, in our lives can be helpful. And so... Um, my hope is that as I share some stories from my life and share some stories from the lives of you guys, um, that it can be helpful just to kind of give you guys some really practical examples of what this can look like for you in the next couple, um, you know, months and years as you see what God's going to do in allowing you um, to minister, maybe in a way that's different from what you've heard. And, um, 
So one of the things that we do, um, at, we have a, um, a smaller gathering called a missional community, and we start every missional community with this. We, we start with God stories. And um, in our God stories, we ask people, like, what has God done um, this week? What are the current God stories? And um, I don't ever want to get to the place in my life where I'm standing up here talking to you guys or being in another place where I'm teaching, and my God stories are from two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. I want to have current God stories in my life. I want to be sharing things that God is doing this last week, this last month. Um, I want to make sure to continue to be a practitioner of what God is reaching, um, is calling me to, and not just giving theory. And I think this is a good litmus test to ask ourselves, what are the current God stories in my life? If you don't have current God stories in in your life right now, Pray and ask God to open your eyes and to allow you to start to step into some of these places. Think about some of the examples Joel gave last week. He talked about somebody in his life that was like, I just want to say hi to my neighbor. I'm really scared to do that, but I want to say hi to my neighbor. That's a person of peace that God's identifying, right? And that person is stepping into it. It can be as simple as that, but you continue to work that out. Um, And so I'm going to give you an example of a marathon person in my life. I have lots of examples of, of marathon people. And, um, you know, because these are ongoing relationships, right? We're just, you know, continuing to love and continuing to minister. Um, but there was a woman I met um, years ago, in a couple years ago, in a low-income um, housing project that we had gone to. We were, you know, doing some, some mission and some ministry. And this is going back, this is probably about four years ago um, that I met this woman. But I want to, I want you to hear, when I was trying to think of which stories I wanted to tell, this one I loved because there's a lot of facets um, to it. So we were going, we were actually handing out Thanksgiving bags. Um, You know, we've changed how we um, do things. Not that things are bad. You just kind of evolve and grow, right, as you learn things differently. And we used to just hand out Thanksgiving bags where it looked like this. We'd knock on the door and we'd be like, here's a Thanksgiving bag. And we'd like throw it at them and then we'd run. Like that was what I did at least. And I was really comfortable with that truthfully. And, um, but then I realized like, honestly, that's, that was really not honoring um, to the other person. And so we've learned, we've grown over, I mean, 15 years and now we've said, really, the food is like secondary, and it's relationship. It's the person, right? So now it looks like knocking on the door and saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. We have some food if you're you know, interested in that, um, but just wanted to see, like, is there anything that we can be praying for you for? Like, can we, and all of a sudden, it's a total game changer, and people start sharing different things. And so I had a woman who had four little kids, and she just started, she invited me into her house. And she invited um, me to, you know, I was looking at her kids' art projects, and she's showing me, you know, all these different things. And I'm like, ding, 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 person's in peace, person of peace, right? Like, this is, you know, not everyone that night was a person of peace, but this was one woman that God highlighted. And so, you know, we exchanged phone numbers, and we stayed, um, you know, like, you know, I think I, you know, texted maybe like once or twice. And then this is where, you know, we talk about like praying and asking God. Um, that was Thanksgiving right before Christmas, um, and we had her, she came to my mind, and I was like, I think we're supposed to, like, take something to her, um, and her kids, and just, you know, reach back out, and so I tried to get a hold, and, you know, couldn't get a hold of her, 
Long story short, it ends up being the day we're supposed to go. It couldn't happen. So it's actually Christmas Eve. And it was Christmas Eve was a Sunday. So after church, I'm like, okay, we're going to you know run down, give this woman this. And, um, and she ends up being there. And in the moment, you could see that there, I'm talking to her, but I could tell that there was something more going on. And I could tell that she was um, really upset about something. I'm like, are you okay? I'm like, it just seems like, you know, like maybe there's something more going on. And she just starts crying. And she was like, actually, she said, last night, I was supposed to go the day before, okay? This wouldn't have happened. She said, last night, both my, two of my tires got slashed. And she said, I, I don't have money to be able to fix them, and I, I can't work, like, if I don't have transportation. Like, you hear the systemic issues here. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, um, you know, and we had given her, she, the reason she had said it, we'd given her a gift card that could work to get tires. Like, actually, it was, like, at Walmart. And so she was like, I can use this to get some tires. So long story short, we end up, you know, I, I call Michael. It's Christmas Eve. We have family coming to our dinner, our house for dinner. You know, I'm like, okay, we, you know, have Christmas Eve dinner. And I say to Michael and to Grant, I'm like, hey, can we go? And so we end up going. We're able to get this woman, um, you know, some, some tires. I didn't even tell her we were doing this. We just went, jacked up her car. I didn't even know how you do this. You know, they, Michael and Grant, thank God, know what they're doing. So they jack up her car. We take her tires. <laughs> we run to Walmart. They're, like, trying to deny us. It's 4 o'clock. And they were supposed to be open till five. And they're like, we're, it's Christmas Eve. And I'm like, exactly. I'm like, I need these tires and I need them now. And I mean, Michael, I'm much more aggressive. Um, <laughs> if you haven't noticed, but Michael, I mean, he was like, I, like, I was like, you know, like ready. And he was like, we're not leaving without tires. Like, I mean, he was just like, the guy was like, okay. You know, we're like, we understand, but these need done. And so anyway, we put these tires on. I have a picture of this. All I did was I texted her a picture. She had no idea we were doing this. I just texted her a picture of her car. And I just said, um, the God who created the world loves you and sees you. That was it. Like we, and we were like leaving the next day. And, um, but the thing that's so cool is that she actually works at a pharmacy that I go to. So every time I go to pick up prescriptions, we have four kids. There's six of us. We go a lot. You know, I feel like there's always like running to the pharmacy for something. Um, she's there and God keeps connecting. And so um, last year we had another out night that we were at this building and um, she ends up being there and she starts, you know, she like is always so receptive, but then she starts connecting with other women that are with me. And she actually kind of likes them, I think even more than me, which I love. And so she's like, I love your friends. I'm like, me too. And so then they start, and then all of a sudden it's like, it starts to, um, you know, it starts to expand the circle that's surrounding her, right? Um, and then last week, I happened to run into her at CVS. Again, I'm picking up a prescription, and I have this lunch that I'm going to. And I'm like, hey, do you want to go to lunch with me? She's like, I have to work that day. I'm like, oh, I'm like, that's a bummer, but. Can you hear me? Ah, oh, there we go. Perfect. Um, and so, 
I just want, like, God just keeps circling me around this person, right? And he has so much more in store and circling other people. And I love the fact that he is the one that's doing the heavy lifting. You know, I'm just stepping. It's when I'm along the way. Um, but then I, I do think, like, there's more as far as um, relationship. And I believe that God is just going to keep um, moving in that place. Just as a side note, God has a special place in his heart for the orphan, the poor, the widow, um, those who are in poverty. And I'm not just talking about poverty financially. Um, and I just, I want you to hear this because I think there's something that's really cool about this. When I think about this in the Old Testament, I can give you so many examples, but I think about Ruth came to mind in the Old Testament and she was a foreigner, right? But God made sure that she got food. You know, we have Rahab. She was a prostitute, but God made sure that she was saved and her whole family line was saved. Those are the two grandmothers of Jesus. Amen. How cool is that? Like, I love how God moves and works in his heart. Zacchaeus, we talked about him recently in the New Testament. He's a tax collector. He's not poor, right? But he's got a lot of poverty. He doesn't have a lot of friends. You know, and Jesus' eyes are on him, and that's where he spends his time. I just want to say this. God loves everyone the same, right? His heart for everyone is identical. But when I, I have four kids And if one of my kids would end up with a serious illness, my time and attention is going to shift to that one child differently. I love them the same, but there's a difference. And I am telling you, I love the fact that when you step into specific places of poverty, the gospel moves even easier because people are receptive and willing. And I think those are places to look at. Like, how do you plant yourself in places where you see poverty um, and allow the Lord to move and work in those places? Um, in our community, you know, some examples of marathons. I got a call this week, and um, uh, Christine Skull was heading out on a trip, and she was going to Philadelphia. And she, you know, texted um, another um, friend of ours and myself and said, hey, I'm going to be in the car. These are my persons of peace. I'm going to be in the car to Philly for four hours with these people and um, who I've been ministering to. And so will you continue to pray for me for opportunity because prayer goes before things. Um, Just last night, I mean, Michael and I have a crazy circumstance right now. There's an ice cream shop in Ambridge that like God has like circled us to. Michael loves this. And actually Howard was a part of it last night. So they love that mission includes ice cream. You know, it's like, hey, can we go get ice cream again? I'm like, oh my gosh, I really, and then last night I ordered a small, I'm not kidding, he, like this big, I'm not exaggerating. If you want lots of ice cream, go here. Um, but this is like, God's like circling around somebody. And so you just keep showing up, keep going. Like, you know, last night when he saw us, he's like, ah, like they just, they get so excited. And, you know, we're just stepping into a place that we feel like God is, is moving this last week, like these are current God stories. Kent, Kent and Bree Stroop, um, Kent was telling us about a neighbor of his and they were just wanting to step into like even more intentional. Like they've been building this relationship. They're persons of peace. They're marathon persons of peace. And so they're building this relationship with them. And all of a sudden, um, we, they were, you know, sharing that they just feel like there's more. And Michael has this thought that comes to his mind. He says, I feel like you need to turn up the volume. Like that's the, you know, and they're praying, like they're praying into this. feel like you need to turn up the volume. I can't make this stuff up. They end up, they end up, um, that, that was on a Wednesday on Friday, they had them over for dessert 
And on Friday, they invite them and say, do you want to go to a Motley Crue concert? Like, <laughs> it was a, it was a, um, they were, like, at Jurgles, there was, like, a band that was, cover, like, that was, um, like, you know, do, covering their, their music. And so, Kent and Bree are like, yes, we're in. We're going to the Motley Crue concert. Concert Last night, we got a text with a picture of the Motley Crue concert. You know, and like, I'm telling you, when people invite you into their spaces or their worlds, that's when to go. Go into those spaces. And those are, you know, persons of peace. And you look at prayer going before that and how it comes together. And um, sprints are often one-time encounters, you know, so maybe that's at the grocery store, maybe that's along the way. I had a, you know, circumstance um, a little while ago where I had somebody that come, came to get window, do window treatment measuring at my house, and um, this is like when COVID was going on, and all of a sudden she just starts talking to me, you know, and in that place I was like, she's telling me about her son skipping school and her divorce, and I mean, all these situations. I'm like, can I pray for you at the end of it? It's COVID, remember? She's like, can I hug you? I'm like, yeah. You know, it's like, I'm never gonna, I may never see her again, but it's just like stepping into those um, places. We had a crazy, you know, summer mixes, sprints and marathons together. Um, we had a crazy circumstance where a little over a year ago, our dog got stolen. And, um, in, you know, it was, uh, I mean, a crazy, crazy story. But only God who could take a situation, this is our puppy, Look how cute Callie is. This is what she looked like when she got stolen. And um, we put these posters out. I mean, it was like, you know, we didn't know if we were ever going to see her again. We thought she was missing, but she legit got stolen. Like a couple, like, legit stole her. Crazy, you know, part of the story. But God connected us to two different people out of this. And um, they're still in relationship with me. The one woman, you know, she was the one, because of Facebook, we put it on Facebook, it goes viral. Callie goes viral. I'm like, I'm not sure if one of my kids was missing, if it would have gone the same. <laughs> I'm just being legit honest. Like, um, you know, dogs, there is a special place in people's heart for dogs. And, um, and this woman, you know, saw it on Facebook, and she's like, I think my neighbor stole your dog. I mean, what? And it was, you know, like, like a mile and a half from our house. So we get our dog back. We, you know, I call that woman. I'm like, do you want to come for dinner at our house? She comes for dinner. She stays three hours. Like, she's like, we're still in relationship. I'm selling her house right now. Like, you can't make this stuff up. And, um, and then last summer, like, you know, like right after all this had happened, I don't know, a couple months after, she said to me, she said, my granddaughter, she met Elle. And she's like, my granddaughter, that's what Kelly looked like when we got her back. Look how bad she looked. They cut her hair. They dyed her. They tried to like, they tried to make her, she, she did not look the same. <laughs> um, but this, this woman said, my granddaughter's having a birthday party. Do you guys want to come? Remember? Ding, 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 ding. They invite you into your space. I'm like, yes. I'm like, I'll drop anything that day. Elle and I go to the birthday party. We meet all the family. We meet her ex-husband, all his family. It was a very interesting um, dynamic. But it's like, I'm being put into these places where only God can do this, right? Only God can take a stolen dog and turn it into like mission and ministry and like seeing what God's doing. The other woman, another you know, part of the story, I sold her house. And like, she's still in relationship with me and we still are talking and like, God is encountering her and she came to church. Like she came to church a couple weeks later and like, God is moving because we're willing to like step into these places and just build relationship with them. And so, um, but I just have a, the last point here is a warning. And um, it's just that we have to be willing to move on if necessary. 
In Matthew 10, the end of it says, if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it, right? That's what it looks like to keep moving in relationship. Um, But if it's not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that town or home. Shake the dust off your feet. Um, The results belong to God, right? He's the one who's doing it all. Um, Even where there's rejection, you know, I think about Jesus was rejected. He was persecuted. Um, there wasn't everyone. There was People were open ministry with him. But the ones that were, he stepped into those places. And so remember, too, like if people are rejecting you, it's not rejection of you. You know, it's they're just not ready for the gospel. And being able to pray for them and continue to move in those places. Um, and so in conclusion, recognize your authority. Identify persons of peace, build genuine relationships, connect them to your community, um, and serve together. And I just want to end with this. We love that we get to give what we've received. This principle has changed how I do, men, do mission. What God's given me, I get to give out to other people. These interactions with persons of peace happen in my life all the time. And I don't say that in a bragging way. I don't say that. I'm just telling you, like, I am open to this, and God is moving, and he's working. And I'm telling you, he will do the same thing in your life if you ask him, and he will show you. Are there persons of peace? Ask God, are there persons of peace around me? Or how can I position myself to be able to see and welcome these interactions? I would say it's more about positioning and asking for God to bring more people into your life that you can share the gospel with. We are in a time, I'm telling you, it is ripe. People are desperate for hope. People are desperate for the truth. And people are desperate for the gospel. And um, I just want to end by just praying over you guys and allowing God to highlight to you what he wants to do. God, I thank you that in the kingdom we can give away what you've given to us. God, I pray that if there is anyone in this room today that does not know you, that has never come to the place of knowing and understanding your love for them, that you, um, that they're a sinner and that you have died for them, God, I pray that salvation would come. I pray that you would encounter them with your love and that they would come and speak um, with us. But God, for those of us who have received the kingdom, We just want more chances to give it away. God, I pray that you would open up our eyes and our hearts and our minds. I ask that you would help us to see what you are doing. God, I pray that for any of us, if we're thinking we don't have any persons of peace, we don't even have unbelievers in our life, um, God, I just pray that we would just start praying that you would open up doors to relationship. Open up doors to be able to see what you are doing. Open our eyes and the spaces that you're already taking us to be able to see where you're already moving behind the scenes. Show us who the Lydia's are in our own lives. And God, we just pray that you would allow us to share your love with those people around us and that you would give us grace to be able to, um, to enter into those spaces. God, we just impart grace over each person in this room that they would go where the grace is. I pray that they would have eyes and ears to perceive it. We bless the hunger and we ask God that you would meet the hunger in the room.
We want to join you. We just ask specifically, God, give us more persons of peace. Make it obvious. Even our familiar environments like work and family, give us fresh eyes to see. And God, give us the grace to go where the grace is moving. And we pray this in your name. Amen.